0: Again, a welcome whenever you're watching this, whether it's this live stream, watching it in one of our delayed services or just watching later. I really believe God's going to do something significant in your life through this word today not because it's me, but God watches over his word to perform it. And this message is around freedom. It's around empowerment. It's around the blessing that God wants to bring to your life. And we're going to qualify what biblical blessing actually is. But we're in the series that the overarching thing is the preeminence of Christ as the apostle Paul declares it in the book of Colossians. And I'm just condensing, as it were, a few thoughts from that passage. It says he is first in everything. He is preeminent. He has the very first place. And then he goes on to say he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I want you to notice that something dramatic, powerful, that wasn't just personal, but cosmic happened when Jesus died on the cross. His pain, his suffering, an exchange took place. And then Paul says, look, it's not just about this cosmic event that impacted heaven and earth, but this includes you who are once far from God. So in Christ's preeminence over all things, Paul is saying because he's preeminent, he can secure your salvation. He can do things in your life because he is preeminent over all things. He's king of kings and his Lord of Lords. Through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, God did something so powerful. The Rite of Hebrews says, For by one sacrifice he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And being made holy is not just about being stuck up and, and not being able to have fun. It's about right standing and right living before God. But notice that powerful expression. He perfected or made complete. And then the second declaration and forever complete work and something that is not just for time, but for eternity. You see, something powerful took place at the cross. There's a series of exchanges that took place at the cross and we've been exploring them. Isaiah 700 years before the event of the cross prophesied about the suffering Messiah, Isaiah 53, and I'm just reading verse four to five. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. So Isaiah prophesying about the suffering of the Messiah on behalf of humanity says an exchange took place. He took all our brokenness, all our sinfulness, and he gives us in exchange peace, forgiveness, eternal life, healing, restoration at the cross, this divine exchange took place. And God has not provided a multitude of solutions for the many problems of humanity. Instead, He gives us one solution, Jesus Christ and the power of the cross. And in a sense, we need to regularly come and sit at the foot of the cross and participate in this divine exchange. What Jesus took on the cross and exchanged what He gives us because of what He took from us, He gives us what was His. It's a divine exchange. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven according to Ephesians 1.17. Our sin on Jesus in exchange for His righteousness on us according to the writings of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. And this is repeated in Matthew's Gospel, quoting Isaiah and again by Peter. He tells us, surely he took our pain and bore our suffering and by his wounds we are healed. He tasted death that we might share his life. He died so that we might live together with him, according to First Thessalonians 5 and verse 10. But today I want to look at two different ones, two different exchanges that took place through the power of the cross, poverty for riches and blessing in place of cursing. So let's go to the first one, poverty for riches. Jesus became poor that in return we might become rich. Now stay with me for a moment. We're not talking about everybody driving around in Rolls Royces and living in mansions, at least not on the side of eternity. The mansions are being prepared for you if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He promised that. But listen to these words from the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. "'For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, "'that though He was rich, "'yet for your sake He became poor, "'so that you through His poverty might become rich.'" Let me just read that again. This is straight from the Word of God. "'For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, "'that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, let's talk about Jesus' earthly ministry for a moment. Many people talk about him being poverty stricken, but the reality is there was always provision, even though it says he never owned anything. Throughout his ministry, Jesus exemplified abundance as defined by the Bible. Let me put it another way. He always had all that he needed to do the will of God and to meet the needs of people. Uh, Let's say that again. Jesus, in terms of exemplifying abundance, living in abundance, he always had all that he needed to do the will of God and then also to meet the needs of others. His supply was never exhausted. And even when He sent the disciples out without a purse, without money, without resources, and simply to trust that God would provide for them, they lacked nothing. Listen to this in Luke 22, verse 35. When they returned, He specifically asked the question, when I sent you without purse, bag or sandals, did you lack anything? The answer Nothing, nothing, did you lack anything? And I know right now I'm speaking to people that in areas of their lives you go, there is a lack. Well, I believe God's gonna help you and minister to that and give you some keys to start off living in God's abundance. Again, let me define abundance. Abundance from a biblical point of view is for you to have all that you need to do the will of God, and then also to help people in your world. That's what abundance is. On the cross was the place where Jesus experienced poverty for our sake. Remember, He who was rich in everything, the eternal Son of God, all the abundance of heaven, but on the cross, He bore our poverty. He experienced everything, Everything that defines poverty on the cross. He hungered, thirst, nakedness, enslaved, and in need of everything. Let me just tease it out for a moment. He was hungry. He hadn't eaten for at least 24 hours as he shuffled from one trial to the other one to the other one. He was thirsty. In fact, he cried out from the cross. One of his last cries, I thirst. He was naked. There wasn't even the loincloth that people paint on, and I believe rightly so in terms of presenting a, a picture of the crucifixion. But the soldiers had taken all his clothing and gambled for them, and he's naked on the cross. He's nailed to the cross. In other words, in bondage, he's restricted And he was in need of all things. Even when he died, he was buried in a borrowed tomb and given clothing to wrap himself in, in terms of the burial clothing. All those things are indicators of poverty. And on the cross, Jesus took all of that for you. Again, you need to know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, yes, for your sake, I, I want you to get this, for your sake. I want those words to penetrate through the sense of need, the, the, the sense of lack that you might have in your life. He became poor for your sake so that you through his poverty might become rich. Paul later in the same book, talking about this whole issue of generosity and giving and all that Christ accomplished for us, said this about the divine exchange. He took all our poverty. We've just read that. And he says, you need to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in this. This is not about works. This is not about effort. This is about living in the grace, the undeserved favour, the blessing that God wants to impart to your life. But in 2nd Corinthians 9 verse 8 and these are two great verses to worth remembering 2nd Corinthians 8 verse 9 but now the exchange 2nd Corinthians 9 verse 8 God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work Now, I want you to just notice a few things. I'm not going to spend an enormous amount of time on that verse, but you need to get it, the powerfulness of the statement. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He experienced poverty on the cross for us and exchange gives us His abundance. And remember, we defined abundance as having everything we need in all situations for ourselves and for others. So Paul says, number one, God is able. I want you to understand this provision, this blessing, this abundance is not dependent on you. It rests in God's hands. God is able to bless you and notice this abundantly. And again, I want to stress having everything you need in every situation and having something left over to bless others. That's the biblical concept of abundance. So God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, not just in some things, having all that you need. It's not about what you want. It's not about buying into advertising campaigns and spending beyond your resource. Even if it's on labor, you it'll get you. That's another conversation. And we have a great course on God, me and money that you can connect to. And it just teaches you. It's not about giving. It's about managing your finance, managing your resource and learning to live in this abundance. But having all things at all times having all that you need that you will abound in good works. Notice it's not just for you it's for others it's to do the good things that you want to do to be a blessing in the lives of others. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things having all at all times Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Jesus became poor so that in return we might become rich, live in this abundance, this fullness of God's provision for ourselves and for others. The second exchange that we're going to explore this morning is the issue that centers around blessing and curses. Jesus, and this is the exchange, was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. Let me say that again. Jesus was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. Paul declares this powerfully in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us. Redemption is about God buying back, pulling back the brokenness, the hurt, the the pain, the lack of provision. That's redemption, the ability to buy back and to restore something. And that's our theme for the year. I will restore you, God promises. But let's get back to this verse. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The tree, the reference there is the cross. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Let me just read that again. I want you to hear these words. It's a verse that you might want to underline. It's a verse that you might want to go back to in your Bible, declare it over your life, declare it in terms of breaking the curse and beginning to live in God's provision and blessing. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. The curse that came upon Jesus, and this is really important, is defined as the curse of the law. This is not God's curse upon humanity. This is the law or legalism. When you try to live your life to please God with rules and regulations, that's legalism. God invites you to live in grace, to live under the blessing of all that Christ has provided, accomplished and given to you through the power of the cross and the power of his resurrection. The curse comes from legalism because we can never aspire to living perfectly you see the law said if you live perfectly you'll get all these blessings and then as long as the law existed before Jesus came full of grace and truth it just proved over and over again generation after generation we couldn't keep the strict requirements of the law in order to access the blessing but in return Because of our disobedience and prolonged disobedience, and I'm talking about what was demonstrated through the whole of the Old Testament, because of prolonged disobedience, the curse of the law comes. You see, it's important to understand the law was never the means of salvation in terms of the purpose of God. And Paul, writing in this passage in Galatians chapter 3 that we've just read, seizing to God's heart, and Paul saw the cross, not a curse, and he saw grace and not legalism or the law. So let me read those words again. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abram might come to the Gentiles. The curse of the law. You see, Moses in Deuteronomy 34, and we're going to touch on this in a moment, listed all the blessings that come from obeying the law. But he also listed the curses from prolonged disobedience, and he summarizes it in this way, or I'm summarizing it in this way: Deuteronomy 28:15 and verse 20. All these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. The word "overtake" there literally means they'll hunt you down. If you're going to live under legalism, rules, regulations as a way of trying to please God rather than tapping into the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, then these things will hunt you down and overtake you. And at the heart of it is because you have forsaken me. You see, God doesn't want to have a relationship of rules with you. He wants a relationship of grace, of love, of mercy, of Him pouring out forgiveness and blessing and provision on your life. Deuteronomy 28, and you can read it for yourself, it's a long list of curses, verse 15 through to 68, yeah, 15 through to 68, identifies curses as repeated patterns in our lives. And I want to trigger that in you. What are some of the repeated patterns that occur in your life? It could be evidence of a curse. And I want to be careful in this. We need to pray and say, Holy Spirit, would you put your finger on things? Would you identify things? The last thing that I'm asking anybody to do today is to go digging through the mess of your life. Try, oh, Is this a curse? Is this a curse? I'm talking about something that pops up. is quickened by the Holy Spirit. And you know, this thing needs to be broken. But if you were to summarize all those verses and what the curses are, It's about constant or repeated patterns of humiliation, repeated patterns of barrenness, literally in aspects of your life or in the context of childbearing, unfruitfulness, mental and physical illness. And we're talking about repeated patterns. I'm going to come back to the physical illness in just a moment. Breakdown of relationships. We're talking about repeated patterns. All of us go through life with some relationships not working out or are going through a I'm talking about repeated patterns. That's the key repeated patterns of poverty through generations, constant defeat, oppression, failure, and a sense of just living under God's disfavor than rather than living under God's favor. This became a very powerful thing in Linda and my life when we were newly married, relatively so, and every year Linda got three to four bouts of bronchitis. Every single year, as long as she could remember. And we were talking with some people in fellowship. Fellowship is so good. In fellowship, talking about this. And they just said, that sounds like a repeated pattern. You need to break that of your life. We didn't even understand everything that I'm teaching you today. And so simply without a great deal of drama, we laid hands on her. And just in the name of Jesus, broke the repeated pattern of Bronchitis. Since then, she's never had another bout of bronchitis ever, ever. And that is just in the power of breaking these repeated cycles. And at the end of the service, towards the end, we are going to pray over your lives in a very simple prayer. But I'm going to ask you right now to just say, Holy Spirit, would you identify the repeated patterns that could be a curse in my life. Again, don't get weird. Don't go negative. This is not about glorifying the devil. This is about glorifying the power of the divine exchange where Jesus becomes a curse for us on the cross that we might receive the blessing. You see, it's a curse from which you need to be released. You don't need to live under a dark cloud like a shadow over your life shutting out the sunlight of God's blessing you see Jesus became cursed he was rejected by his own he was betrayed by one of his disciples abandoned by the rest of them he was suspended naked between heaven and earth the pain of his wounds racked his body His soul was weighed down with the guilt and the horror of humanity's sin and brokenness. Earth rejected him and heaven did not respond to his cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And even the sun withdrew its light. Read it in the gospels. And darkness covered him in the earth as his lifeblood ebbed out onto the dusty, stony surface of Jerusalem. Yet out of the darkness, just before he died, came this triumphant declaration. It is finished. There is victory. It is finished. In the Greek, that phrase, it is finished, translated in our English Bible, consists of one word. And it's the perfect tense of a verb that means to make something complete or perfect. You see, on the cross... There is power in what Jesus did and in his declaration to bring things to completeness, to wholeness in your life and to break the cycle of repeated brokenness and all the things that I've been talking about today. It is completely complete is a way of defining that statement. It is finished. God wants to bring something to your life that is completely complete. He took the poverty. He took the pain. He took the sickness so that in all those things you could experience healing, wholeness, peace, restoration. We do a course and we're going to look at doing it, whether it's online, face to face, when we can get back to that. The Freedom Course. It is so powerful. And right now, you might want to express an interest in it. If you're online talking to the host, just say, I'm interested. And it is such a powerful co- uh, course, not curse, a powerful course that will touch you in these areas, minister you, set you free, and help you to begin to live in the power of God's blessing in your life. You see, on the cross, Jesus had taken upon himself every evil consequence that rebellion had brought upon humanity. He exhausted every curse from God's broken law. I want you to get that. He exhausted the curses on the cross. He is the firstborn. He is preeminent. And because of that, he made salvation complete, broke the curse of the law so that blessing could come such a sacrifice is astonishing in its scope, but marvelous in its simplicity. As I just draw this to a close, I came across a quote by Martin Luther, the great reformer, the one who pushed the church and believers back into experiencing grace, no longer living under legalism that bound that era of the church's history. And there are these and thou's in the statement, but listen to it as he writes this. Thou Christ art my sin and my curse, or rather I am thy sin, thy curse, thy death, thy wrath of God, thy hell, and contrawise, or in exchange, thou art my righteousness my blessing, my life, my grace of God and my heaven. What powerful words written by the great reformer that capture the essence of all that Jesus did on the cross. He became all those terrible things so that we might in exchange receive righteousness, blessing, eternal life, grace and God's goodness in our life. You see, blessing is living life with God and overflowing in His abundance. Blessing expands your life to be able to be a blessing to others. That's the blessing that was given to Abraham. Genesis 12 and verse 2. I will make you. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I want you to catch that. I will make you in all your brokenness, in all the dysfunction, God wants to make you, transform you. He says, I will bless you. You will have everything you need with an abundance left over for others. I will make your name great. I will give you honour and you will be a blessing. I love that. It's not just about me and what I'm going to hang on to. It's about an abundance that overflows, meets all my needs, but gives me something left over for others. Paul said, remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The question is, have you come to the foot of the cross? You see, there's so many exchanges that take place to set the foot of the cross. Jesus was punished that you might be forgiven. Our sin on him so that his righteousness is placed on us. He was wounded that we might be healed. He tasted death for us that we might share his life. He became poor that in return we might experience God's provision, abundance and blessing. And he was made a curse so that we might receive the blessing that was promised to Abram. And I've just read out what that is. But it all takes place at the foot of the cross. And it's at the foot of the cross, you receive Jesus Christ to be Lord or leader of your life. You put him in charge and you receive from him, not because of good works, not because of effort, not because of any of those things. You receive from him the gift of eternal life forgiveness of sin the promise that what he gives you is completely complete it is finished and you receive it by grace you don't work for it you don't earn it you just receive it and I'm going to invite you if you've never ever done that to pray a really simple prayer it's got to be your prayer but I'm going to help you with some words or if you've drifted away from God God loves to welcome the prodigal back again. In fact, the story of the prodigal son, don't get me started, is one of my favourite passages. The, The father ran to meet the son just as he saw the son coming home. As you turn your heart towards God, he runs to meet you.